Hi, this is Sean Benson from Harvest Church in Warrensburg, Missouri. I want to thank you for joining us for this week's podcast. For more resources, log on to harvestwarrensburg.com. I wanted to start off this morning by just asking a simple question. How are you stewarding your current season? How are you stewarding your current season? Here's what we know. We know that God wastes nothing. Is that right? We know that God wastes nothing. We know that he has a plan. We know that nothing that we experience will ever take him off guard. Is that right? Are we alive? We just had some pretty amazing worship. We know that nothing that we experience is a surprise to him. Is that right? Yes, that's right. Nothing's a surprise. He's never taken off guard. We know uh, Romans 8.28 that he works all things for good. Is that right? No matter how tragic it is in the moment for you, how painful it is that you're, whatever you're experiencing, we know that the word of God says he works all things for good. Is that right? We know that if we're faithful in the small things, he'll put us in charge of much. Is that right? Matthew 25, 23. We know that he, that he who began a good work in us is faithful to complete it. Philippians chapter 1. Is that right? Yeah. That the, the, the God, your Father, the one who created you, who knows the beginning from the end, the one who wastes nothing, the, he will literally work everything in your life for your good, for your maturity, for his glory. That's what he's doing. That's what he'll always do. We know from the story of Joseph even further, and probably there's so many things that I could add out of Genesis chapter 50, that God will even use evil men to bring you into your destiny. Your destiny is defined by what you are called by God to do and be. This is what we know, right, as we get started. And and if this is what we know, That God wastes nothing, He uses everything, then I feel God calling us to take better advantage of every moment that we're given. See, if, if, if God wastes nothing, if he's using everything to actually form me and and fashion me into the likeness of Christ, if he's using everything for his glory, if he's using every little detail of of every moment to promote me and to to sharpen me into the man, the woman that you're called to be, then I think it's time we become a lot more intentional with the moments that we have. And so with that, I ask a second question. What are you doing with the moments that you have, particularly the strenuous ones. (laughs) Oh God, take it away. All of it. What is happening to me? This is not comfortable. Okay, all right, I've been there. (laughs) Or maybe we're grumbling and complaining. My boss, those coworkers, those people that you put in my house. I may have had something to do with that one. <laughs> or grumbling, grumbling and complaining. 
Make it go away, God. Or maybe we're just victims. You know, we're victims of our circumstances. You know, after all, something is, is happening to me. I didn't want it. Right? It's happening to me. And because it's, it's happening to me, it's as if someone else has, has failed me. My leadership has failed me. My pastor has failed me. My, my spouse has failed me. My, my boss has failed me. And because they failed me, because I didn't ask for this, because this thing happened to me, now I expect some kind of compensation. I didn't ask for it. And so now you're responsible to release to me something for my pain and suffering. Are, are we victims in the middle of our circumstances? Victims usually always, if not always, believe that they're entitled. They become entitled. Hmm. Or are we looking to God? How many of you know that's the alternative? Father, in the midst of this, what am I supposed to be learning? Ever asked that question? And not like, because sometimes we can ask that question, but it actually has one of the former things attached to it. Why am I? No, that's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about, okay, God, you're the God who wastes nothing. You're the God who's intimately acquainted with every detail of my life. You knew that all of this was going to unfold. You know the beginning from the end. You're working it for my good and for glory. So what am I supposed to learn right now? What is happening in this that I'm supposed to take away such that I can begin to look more like Jesus as a result? If this is true, what I'm saying, and by the way, it is, in case there was any, in case there was any concern, then it kind of makes all of the things that we face in life like a pass or fail test for our maturity. Now think about it like this, like uh, all of you went to school, right? Uh, this is how I know that you're still asleep. <laughs> Even if you're Amish in here today, you still went to school for a couple of years in there, okay? No, in school we take tests, is that right? And if you, if you know that the test is coming, now that all of you need to divorce yourself from your delinquent teenager days, all right? We need to think more rationally like with your adult brains right now. If there's a test coming up and you know that that test is going to have a grade and that that grade will impact your final destination, your, your graduation, which there was a day when that actually was the case, so... Basically, everybody my age and, and older, you know, there was a day when they would actually fail you, or it really did have consequences, you know. If there were consequences to the test, wouldn't you take the test seriously? Like, wouldn't you try a little bit? Wouldn't you try to f not fail? If you, if you knew that, that, that there were going to be negative results to my lack of intentionality, you'd be intentional. That's what I'm saying. So then, if all of life is a test, am I being intentional? Will I pass or will I fail? What am I doing to steward the individual moments of every day? See, because there's more happening to us than simply just oppression. Like the world's coming against me. You know, there's more than just the world's coming against you. You have an opportunity right now. With whatever you're facing, you have an opportunity. 
in the middle of those opportunities, if we choose, if we choose Christ, we advance. But if we choose the ways of the world, sadly, we end up just retreating right back to the starting point, having to face that same trial and or the lesson that was supposed to be learned anyways all over again. Now, I don't know about you, but I don't want to be a glutton for punishment. How about you? And so if I knew that if I was going to go through this test, no matter how painful the test was, and as a pass or fail grade, but that failure meant that I was going to have to do it again? How many of you think it's maybe time we start addressing these moments in our life with some intentionality? And here's the thing, if we, if we choose Jesus, as I said, we advance, but, but if we go back to the drawing board and we start all over again, I, I, I fear that far too many families, that this is the cycle that they get caught in. It's, it's this reality where it's like, can I catch a break? It seems like all of life just continues to come at me. One thing after another just continues to bombard me. I can't seem to get ahead. I would question whether you're passing your tests. Because when we pass our tests, we advance. When we pass our tests, there comes a point in our life where we look back and those things that were a struggle, they're, they're, just, they're in the rearview mirror. They're, just, they're successes that are written on the history of our life. And every time we take a step closer to Jesus, a step closer to his likeness, we start to be transformed into him. And that means the battles are easier. That means the things that tripped me up when I was here don't trip me up when I'm here anymore. And all of a sudden I'm like, man, I thought that was a real game changer. I thought that was going to be a hard deal. But now that I've come through, now that I've passed a few of those tests, it's like it's getting easier. And by advancing, I mean that those, like you're actually headed somewhere. You're actually taking a step into your destiny, who you're called to be, what you're called to do. So if I'm not passing the test... I'm not advancing. The end result is that I forfeit my destiny. I don't think anybody in here wants that, right? Today we're going to be talking about Israel's exodus from Egypt. There's so many parallels in what is happening there, and part of it is because I believe that each one of us in this room, that we're en route to our promised land. So destiny, promised land, whatever you want to call it. That's who God has created you to be and what he's created you to do. That's your promised land. And each one of us, just like the Israelites, we are en route to that promised land. Think back to that story in Exodus. They've been slaves for 400 years. They're, they're exiting Egypt, the only thing that they've ever known. 400 years. That's like way older than the United States. You know, we've already cycled through all kinds of things, like in the couple hundred years. Like, we've cycled, I don't know how many times, through all kinds of different thinking and all this crazy stuff. 400 years. This is all they've ever known. It's all their great-grandparents ever knew. That's a long time. And they, they've, been, they've been brought out by this, you know, uh, this type of Christ, this Savior Moses. And, and now they find themselves literally jammed up between the Red Sea and an army that is assailing them. And... Bear in mind, like, they were slaves. And, and now a highly trained army is pursuing them, and in the natural, there's absolutely nowhere for them to go. How many of you know this is a scary moment? 
And what I want us to see this morning as we look at the, at the Israelites and some of their history is that it's not unlike ours. Like these were real life events. They were tragic and scary. It's, it's not it's like so often we look back and we're like, yeah, stupid Israelites, just trust God. He's about to part the sea. Well, that's the thing about, you know, reading the end of the book. But when you're standing with your back against the sea, and trained armies are coming, and they want to kill you. It feels a little different to you in that moment. When there's absolutely nothing with your natural eye that you can see, it does not look like God's going to be breaking through at all. It feels a little different to you. And we've all experienced it. What they are talking about, what we see in this Bible is real life. These were real trials. These were real circumstances that they faced. And in the middle of that... (laughs) They begin to grumble and complain. Exodus chapter 14, verse 11. Is it because there is no grave in Egypt that you have taken us away to die in the wilderness? What have you done to us bringing us out of Egypt? Is not this what we said to you while we were still in Egypt? Leave us alone that we may serve the Egyptians. For it would have been better for us to serve the Egyptians than to die in the wilderness. Now... I can't imagine being a slave for 400 years and then being in this moment and being like, just come take me back to slavery. That sounds better. Take me back to my comfort zone. Take me back to things that are familiar. This is scary, God. Take me back, and and maybe it's not the best, (laughs) maybe it's not the best in the end, but just take me back to that which I know. I at least know how to navigate those waters. I I just, I can't imagine in this moment being that guy. I I, I can't imagine being like, you know, I'm just going to be a slave. That's good. No, I'm like, I think I'm a little bit more like, uh, somebody got a sniper rifle? Unto death, if that's what it took, because I guarantee you this, I'm not going back to slavery. But isn't that what Galatians 5 tells us, though? It admonishes us no longer to be subject to the yoke of slavery. Man, I wonder how many of us are in pursuit of our promised land. and You've got a sniper rifle on your back. You have everything that you need for life and godliness, but it's really hard because the route to the promise is really hard. And when you've been used to being a slave for a long time, it's even harder because you have mindsets that need to change. When you've been a slave for so long, you have mindsets that need to change. It's so easy for us, just like these guys, to fall back like in the face of adversity, in the face of being uncomfortable, in the, in the face of like an emerging army that seems way better at this game than I do. It seems it just be, it's just so easy sometimes just to fall back. It's like, I'd, I'd just rather be a slave. I'd just rather be a slave to fear. I'd rather be a slave to anger again. I'd rather be a slave to that victim mentality. I'd rather be a slave to poverty. I'd rather be a slave to bad relationships than to do the hard work necessary to get to that promised land because there are enemies there. There are people that are pursuing me. I don't even know how to think yet, and the enemy is pursuing me. How many of us? can relate to the story of the Israelites and their exodus. I I want to encourage you today to pull the sniper rifle off your back. (laughs) 
and your, your Rambo knife. Anybody have one of those growing up? I had two, bam. Because it's going to be worth it. What's on the other side of your wilderness is worth it. What's on the other side of the, the treacherous journey of pursuing Christ is worth it. Your life being radically changed one battle at a time. Your likeness being carved into his likeness, it's worth it. It's worth the pain. It's worth the struggle. It's worth facing your fears. Every bit of it is worth it. And what happens when we don't embrace the battle? We forfeit our destiny. And our battle goes to our children. Isn't that what we see in this story? I wonder how many of us just simply get tired along the way. <laughs> just get tired of the fight. <laughs> Anybody ever feel that way? You're just like, oh my gosh, again? Again I have to deal with this? So it's like, it's, sometimes it's like, it's just, it's not maybe even the adversity. It's just, I'm so tired of having to fight. I don't have anybody particularly coming against me, but my goodness, like, are we ever going to get there? <laughs> and, and even then, I, I wonder how many of us in our fatigue, we, we let our guard down and we slip right back into the old ways of thinking, the old mentality. You know, here's the thing. In the natural, it may not make sense to fight your demons. You know, looking at Egypt, right? Looking at Israel. You know, here we are cowering slaves at the onslaught of an enemy who is well-trained. They are a professional army. Now, in what world does it make sense for you to stand up with your rifle? Like, you know what? Maybe there's just a chance we can go back with them to Egypt. By the way, I don't think that's what they were coming for. See, there's a, there's a lie that we believe, by the way. No, no, you, you think it's going to be comfortable, it's going to be okay. No, you actually, you're not going back to Egypt, you're actually going to death. Going back into your old ways and your old patterns of behavior, into your old thinking, it's going to lead you to death, pure and simple. You're not going back to the comforts of Egypt and what you thought you knew, you're just going to die. So we've got to bear that in mind when we're going through this journey. But sometimes it doesn't feel natural. You're looking at the army that's coming and you're like, how in the world would I ever be able to defeat these armies? I've been a slave for 400 years. I don't know how to fight. I don't know how to do anything. Like everything's they just they fed us and we just worked and half of us didn't get enough food anyways. And like, how am I supposed to fight this? Look, sometimes in the natural, it doesn't make any sense. But how many of you know that as believers, as sons and daughters of the king, we're not called to live our lives in the natural? We're called to live our lives by faith. The righteous shall live in faith. We walk in faith. That means we're not seeing it with our natural eyes. We're seeing it with our spiritual eyes. We're leaning back on a God who is infinitely bigger than we can ask or think, who knows exactly what he's doing. The same God who, if he brought us out of Egypt, intends to get us into our promised land if we just cooperate. The God who is faithful to complete what he began. We talked about that scripture in the beginning. So it may not seem right in the natural, it may not seem rational, but, but once we add God to the equation, it doesn't have to be rational anymore. 
Because when my God is in there, then I can do all things because he strengthens me. When my God's involved, then I have the mind of Christ, the strategies of Christ. I can think, I can tap into his ways. I can tap into his way of, of, of dealing with stuff. I can stand even on his faith. Like, oh, it doesn't make any sense under any other circumstances to be able to face this enemy. But my God said that I'm going to the other side. My God said that he has a future and a hope. And if that's what my God said, he's faithful to complete what he began in me, I will get there. It doesn't matter what I see anymore. Now, it only matters that when my God is for me, who could be against me? Think about Israel. What, what does it mean for them to steward this moment? That's what we're talking about today, stewarding these moments. What does it mean for Israel to steward this moment? There's no question. We've already spoken to it. They were slaves for 400 years. You know, they failed. They failed this moment. They failed many others after. What does it look like for them to steward the tension, to steward this moment when it looks like their lives are going to be taken from them, this, this moment when they're tempted to not trust God, the God who brought them out in the first place, the God who created them? What does it look like for them to steward this moment? Again, there's no question they failed. They had a lot of thinking that needed to be, that needed to be adjusted. They didn't pass. But the truth is, God showed up, didn't he? When they honestly least expected it, God did show up. He did part that Red Sea. He did release a miracle. He did something that they couldn't have expected. They couldn't have perceived. How many of you know that's what God does in our lives? And sometimes it's not as obvious as the Red Sea being parted before our eyes. Sometimes it's just, oh my gosh, I pulled through that and I don't exactly know how I did, but I, but I did. What does it look like for Israel to steward this moment when they least expected it, the God who spoke destiny over them, pulling them out of Egypt and sending them on their journey to their promise? The same God supernaturally broke in and rescued them. We have to take pause if we're to steward these moments well. We have to take inventory and, and firstly, I think it starts with repentance. What does it look like for them to steward this? Well, I think they have to repent. Oh, God, when those guys were breathing down our necks, I thought we were done for. Like, I was so frightened. I just, I, I'm, I'm so sorry. Like, I just didn't expect you to show up. I didn't. I, 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 just, I didn't see anything with my natural eyes. I, we didn't have history. I, I didn't expect it. Would you forgive me? I didn't fully know who you were. And I didn't know who I was. And I failed you in this moment, God. I think we have to step into repentance. And then we have to let it sink into our hearts. Holy shimoles, I just survived. I just, I just, we just got through. I'm like, 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 oh my goodness, how was that possible? It wasn't, it wasn't possible. And we have to allow that to season our hearts and sink in. And this is what we talked about a few weeks ago. This is like, a, I just I can't get it off my heart. This is like the bonus round of our previous series. <laughs> You're welcome. 
And it's what we were talking about, about building history with God. See, these moments, they have to build history with God, but we have to take pause to repent and to allow it to season our hearts because God just rescued us. I just survived. I would have never imagined I would have survived that onslaught from the enemy, but I did. And we ask him, Father, put that deep into the shelf of my heart so that it creates precedent so that the next time I'm staring the enemy in the eye, I can remember this moment, this memorial moment, and I can call on that history, and I can muster maybe just a seed more faith than what I had before. You know what? I think even when we fail these moments, if we have a really good debrief with God afterwards, I think he still lays it to your account sometimes. Like, oh, because the truth is they, they kept going towards their promise at this moment, didn't they? He didn't just go, you know what, all right, okay, listen, I already knew it was all going to happen, but I'm, I'm, already, I'm in the middle of it now, I'm tired of you people, let's just, I'm done, we're not going to do this anymore. Just circle back, they're going to kill you now. <laughs> At this moment, they didn't forfeit their destiny. God was gracious and compassionate with them. Just as he's gracious and he's compassionate to you, but we have to allow the moment to season us. We have to allow the moment to, to, uh, to, to build equity with God, to, to allow faith to rise in our hearts. We have to repent from the lack of faith that we had. And I think God's going to count that as a win. So stop beating yourselves up. Oh, no, i got to go back to the starting line. Maybe some of you do. Some of you genuinely are coming before the Lord and you're like, oh my goodness, I, I, I didn't know. I didn't see that coming. That thing took me off guard. And the God who's gracious and compassionate is going to lay it up to your account. He's going to count it a win. Isn't that what we saw with Abraham and all the Hebrews 11 fools? Oh, our men of faith. I, I swear sometimes I read through that and I'm like, you're not seeing what I'm seeing. Dude literally threw his wife out under the bus and backed over it a couple times. No man of faith there. And yet, there they go. God calls them a man of faith. Israel didn't get to hear this sermon. They were still in progress. Not three days later, they were found grumbling and complaining again. They were in search of water. The only water that they found now three days later was, was bitter and undrinkable. But again, lest we be so, or too harsh for the Israelites, I, I want you just to imagine this for a moment. You, you, you've left Egypt. You were in this horrific ordeal where the enemy is coming after you. You're sweating bullets. You smell terrible. <laughs> You're filthy, dirty. And now you've hiked through the desert for three days. You know, I looked it up. I've looked it up several times. I don't know how people fast, but they say on average, you've got three days with no water and then you're dead. Those of you who retain water, you're going to go a little further. Thank the Lord for that gift. <laughs> but on average, three days. Obviously, that's, some people will go more and whatnot. Three days. So we're talking about three days of, of fighting the enemy, sweating bullets, being in the midst of battle, like, oh, and fear and all the stuff. You could just imagine. And then three days hiking through the hot desert. I would just imagine, I want to submit to you, that there are some people that are deeply dehydrated and even more exhausted. Now, what do you do when you're tired? I know I'm grumpy, and sometimes my wife tells me, 
She's like, you need to go bid and spend some time with Jesus because he's not grumpy and you're grumpy. You need to get some more of him. <laughs> yeah. right? When we're tired and hungry, we get grumpy, do we not? So let's not be too quick to toss the Israelites under our own little self-righteous bus. These were real trials that they were facing. These are, this was real life. Like they, they really genuinely believed that they had reason to complain. Where was the God who just showed up with a huge miracle and like parted the Red Sea? Like he created the body. Why didn't he give me water three days ago? Great question. I don't know the answer to that. But put yourself in their shoes. You've been, would you do a little jig, do a little dance? Or would you have been grumbling and complaining? And if this is another test... I would submit to you that grumbling and complaining is a failing grade. And in fact, as we'll find out, grumbling and complaining is the very thing that kept them from their destiny. Think about that just for a second. Not some massive, or what we would deem, some massive obvious sin. Think of all the massive obvious sins to you. It's probably your definition, may not be God's. Think about all of that stuff. Now, and what he's suggesting here is that just grumbling and complaining, not all those things that you just imagined, but grumbling and complaining kept them from their promised land. Ugh. That doesn't ignite some fear of God on our lives. I don't know what will. Because I've been found grumbling and complaining more than rejoicing, I think, over the last 43 years. Anybody else like me? I've often said it's easier for me to be grumpy. Like my natural go-to, oh, it's easy for me to be grumpy. It's not as easy for me to be the happy one. Hey, let's all just party, get along, right? No, it's easy for me to be the complaining, the Eeyore. Ugh, this sucks. <laughs> oh, it's happening again. This, oh, my gosh. In the middle of the Missouri summer, how many of you are dancing and rejoicing in your sweaty shorts? <laughs> and how many of you are grumbling and complaining that it's not spring or fall, right? And when it's wintertime and it's cold, how many of you are like, but thank God for the moisture that's coming and for the roots that are growing. But instead, how many of us are like, oh my gosh, can this season stop for, like, for real? Will it ever end? <laughs> and why does it tease us in Missouri? Right? I think most of us tend towards the grumbling and complaining. And this was the sin that kept them from entering ultimately their destiny. Is this making sense this morning? All right, I see by the time I need to fast forward. We need to learn to turn our complaining into declaring. We need to learn to turn the complaints that would be there to immediately identify them. How many of you know the Bible says we're to take our thoughts captive? We're to take those things captive even before they come out of our mouth if we're doing really well. We take those thoughts captive and we turn them into declarations. God, I know that you're moving. God, I know that you're here. God, I know that you're for me. I know that you're working all things for good. I know that you're in my midst. I know that you love me more than anything that there ever was. I know that you are now moving in my midst. I know that you're the miracle-working God. We declare this is what you're doing. 
We get our eyes on the author and the finisher of our faith. But note, he's not just the initiator. I always like what Chris Felton says, if it's not good, he's not done yet. He's the author and the finisher. He's not done yet. There's still, he's still moving. He's still working. There are still miracles that are coming your way. There's still things that are happening. God, I know that you're moving. What are you doing in me? I don't want to go back to the starting line. Help me to learn everything that I'm needing to learn. I don't want to go another round around this mountain. I don't want to grumble and complain to miss the pass or fail test and take another lap. Another lap doesn't sound fun. Does it sound fun to you? I'm kind of a, like, let's get her done guy. I don't want to make another lap needlessly around this mountain when I could win the battle right now. What are you doing in me, God? We turn our grumbling and complaining into declaration, keep our eyes fixed on the author and the finisher. Truth is, the Israelites, they didn't learn anything from the first miracle of the splitting of the Red Sea. They didn't take pause to repent and to allow it to season their hearts and to develop and birth faith on the inside of them. And we see this over and over again with them. They just were not getting it such that they literally did forfeit their destiny. I don't want to be one whose destiny is forfeited. Do you? Hello? We have to get to a place, I'm going to land with this sentiment, where we allow the circumstances of life to train us. It's all training ground. Everything that's happening, and I'm not suggesting even for a second that this evil God with the big stick is sending all of this nonsense your way. That's not what I'm saying. I'm just saying he's the master recycler. We live in a fallen world and he uses absolutely everything. He's involved in absolutely everything such that he'll even take the evil that's perpetrated against you and set you into high places if that's your destiny, as we see with the story of Joseph. We have to allow life to train us rather than just be like, oh, I just don't want it. I just want to be comfortable. I just, I don't want to win. I just want to retreat back to Egypt. I don't want to have to face this giant. I don't want to have to face the army that's coming after me. Like this is a whole new thing and it's taking work and effort and it's not comfortable. It's not comfortable to slay those giants from the old country. It's not comfortable for me. It's, it's, it's hard work, and it seems like it's never ending, but it's not never ending, and it's worth it. It's one battle at a time until, as I've already said, we get to this place where we look back and we realize, wow, look at all of the successes. I'm not the man today that I was then. The battles that would have derailed me before are not even a blip on my radar now. Wow, the guy that I was then didn't look anything like Jesus, but look at me now. And your life begins to transform. This is the only way out of your rut. And if you're sitting here this morning and you're like, yeah, man, I'm one of those families where it seems like, every, like generationally, bam, 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 the hits just keep coming over and over again. I want to submit to you to be intentional about what you're facing because God's giving you an opportunity to advance. You're not just being oppressed. You're not just a victim. In fact, I would say you're not a victim at all. I'm blown away as I read the story of Joseph where at the end he's standing with his brothers who sold him into a pit and into slavery and they were going to kill him. And all these years later, the guy is 30 years old. He's 30 years old, 30 years of pain. And instead of being like, <laughs> now I'm going to show you some pain. Instead he's like, I've come to grips with this reality 
My God's for me, not against me. And what you meant for evil, God has used to pull me into my destiny. How many of you know, if I, I just, I'm just, if, if I was in the prison and the king's baker and chef or whoever it was, isn't it the baker and chef? Feels right. We're going with it. Again, the cup holder, whatever that is. I'm just joking, I know what that is. You know, if you're entitled and you're losing your battles, you're not going to give, I don't know what the right words would be, two shakes. That sounds good and lame. Sounds perfect for Sunday morning. About those guys. They're coming in with their dreams. I'm going to sit over there in the corner and like, whatever, dude. Have your dream. I don't care. What's it have to do with me? What did we see Joseph doing instead? Mm, hey, I may have an answer for you. Why? Because he wasn't an entitled victim. Because he was allowing his trialsome circumstances to sharpen him into the likeness of Christ. And he was rejecting all of the worldly ways and he was winning his battles. If Joseph hadn't won the battles, he wouldn't have made it to the palace. But he was winning the battles at every step. He won it in the pit. In fact, I think that's where he learned it. Oh, crud, I shouldn't have shared those dreams. That was really dumb. Yeah, it was dumb. It's completely idiotic. Oh, yeah, okay, I got that. I'm probably going to limit who I'm rolling that stuff out to in the future. And then he goes and he serves and he serves so well that he's promoted. And then he goes and he's, he's slighted again. It's like, oh, again, life is throwing this stuff at me. But instead of being a victim, he goes to the next place and he serves God and not man. And he pours himself out entirely. And again, he's a promoted. And you know what it doesn't say? It doesn't say, it doesn't say that God was the one initiating it. It doesn't say that God was doing anything. It just says, it says God was with him. That's what it says. God was with him. Make no mistake about it. If Joseph hadn't won the battles along the way, he'd have never made it to the palace. Will you make it to your palace? That's the question. What are you doing to steward the moments because God has a palace for you? Amen? Jesus, we submit ourselves to this truth, this reality, and we're asking that you would move in our lives, that you would remove and burn up all entitlement, anything with a victim attached to it. God, any laziness, any of that stuff that would keep us going around the mountain again. Here we go. Now, Jesus, you have given us a future and a hope, and you've given us everything that we need for life and for godliness. You have provided a way of escape for every temptation that comes our way. You are bigger than we can ask or think, and what you begin, you're going to complete in us, and we yield ourselves to your purposes and your plans. Give us eyes to see the test we're in, that every one that we face from this point forward, we would be ones that pass and advance quickly. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for listening to this week's podcast. If you would like to contact us or would like more information about our church or additional podcasts or resources, please visit us online at harvestwarrensburg.com. We hope to see you soon.